Mrs. Pontellier was not a woman given to confidences, a characteristic hereto contrary to her nature. Even as a child, she had lived her own small life all within herself. At a very early period, she had apprehended instinctively the dual life, that outward existence which conforms, the inward life which questions. That summer at Grand Isle, she began to loosen a little of the mantle, a reserve that had always enveloped her. There may have been, there must have been, influences both subtle and apparent, working in their several ways to induce her to do this. The most obvious was the influence of Adele Ratanol. The excessive physical charm of the Creole at first attracted her, for Edna had a sensuous susceptibility to beauty. Then the candor of the woman's whole existence, which everyone might read, and which formed so striking a contrast to her own habitual reserve. This might have furnished a link. Who can tell what metals the gods use in forging the subtle bond which we call sympathy, which we might as well call love? Two women went away one morning to the beach together, arm in arm, under the huge white sunshade. Edna had prevailed upon Madame Ratinal to leave the children behind, though she could not induce her to relinquish a diminutive role of needlework, which Adele begged to be allowed to slip to the depths of her pocket. In some unaccountable way, they had escaped from Robert. The walk to the beach was no inconsiderable one, consisting as it did of a long, sandy path, upon which a sporadic and tangled growth that bordered it on either side made frequent and unexpected inroads. There were acres of yellow chamomile reaching out on either hand, Further away still, vegetable gardens abounded with frequent small plantations of orange or lemon trees intervening. The dark green clusters glistened from afar in the sun. The women were both of goodly height, Madame Ratinol possessing the more feminine and matronly figure. The charm of Edna Pontellier's physique stole insensibly upon you. The lines of her body were long, clean, and symmetrical. It was a body which occasionally fell into splendid poses. There was no suggestion of the trim, stereotyped fashion plate about it. A casual and indiscriminating observer, in passing, might not cast a second glance upon the figure, but with more feeling and discernment, he would have, have recognized the noble beauty of his modeling, and the graceful severity of poise and movement, which made Edna Pontellier different from the crowd. She wore a cool muslin that morning, white, 
with a waving vertical line of brown running through it. Also a white linen collar and the big straw hat, which he had taken from the peg outside the door. The hat rested anyway on her yellow-brown hair that waved a little was heavy and clung close to her head. Madame Ratignol, more careful of her complexion, had twined a gauze veil about her head. She wore dogskin gloves with gauntlets that protected her wrists. She was dressed in pure white, the fluffiness of ruffles that became her. The draperies and fluttering things which she wore suited her rich, luxuriant beauty as a greater severity of line could not have done. There were a number of bathhouses along the beach, a rough but solid construction, built with small, protecting galleries facing the water. Each house consisted of two compartments, and each family at Lebrun's possessed a compartment for itself, fitted out with all the essential paraphernalia of the bath and whatever other conveniences the owner might desire. The two women had no intention of bathing. They had just strolled down to the beach for a walk and to be alone and near the water. The Pontellier and Ratinal compartments adjoined one another under the same roof. Mrs. Pontellier had brought down her key through force of habit. Unlocking the door of her bathroom, she went inside and soon emerged, bringing a rug which she spread upon the floor of the gallery and two huge hair pillows covered with crash which she placed against the front of the building. The two seated themselves there in the shade of the porch side by side with their backs against the pillows and their feet extended. Madame Ratinol removed her veal, wiped her face with a rather delicate handkerchief and fanned herself with the fan which she always carried suspended somewhere about her person by a long, narrow ribbon. Edna removed her collar and opened her dress at the throat. She took the fan from Madame Ratinol and began to fan both herself and her companion. It was very warm. For a while they did nothing but exchange remarks about the heat, the sun, the glare. But there was a breeze blowing, a choppy, stiff wind that whipped the water into froth. It fluttered the skirts of the two women kept them for a while, engaged in adjusting, readjusting, tucking in, securing hairpins and hatpins. A few persons were sporting some distance away in the water. The beach was very still of human sound at that hour. The lady in black was reading her morning devotions on the porch of a neighboring bathhouse. Two young lovers were exchanging their heart's yearnings beneath the children's tent, which they had found unoccupied. Edna Pontellier, cast her eyes about, had finally kept them at rest upon the sea 
The day was clear and carried the gaze out as far as the blue sky went. There were a few white clouds suspended idly over the horizon. A lateen sail was visible in the direction of Cat Island, and others to the south seemed almost motionless in the far distance. Of whom? Of what are you thinking? asked Adele of her companion, whose countenance she had been watching with a little amused attention. Arrested by the absorbed expression which seemed to have seized and fixed every future into the tasket's repose. Nothing, returned Mrs. Pontellier with a start, adding at once, how stupid. But it seems to me it is the reply we make instinctively to such a question. Let me see. She went on, throwing back her head and narrowing her fine eyes till they shone like two vivid points of light. Let me see. I was really not conscious of thinking of anything. Perhaps I can retrace my thoughts. Oh, never mind, laughed Madame Ratignolle. I am not quite so exacting. I will let you off this time. It is really too hot to think, especially to think about thinking. But for the fun of it, persisted Edna, first of all, the sight of the water stretching so far away, those motionless sails against the blue sky, made a delicious picture that I just wanted to sit and look at. The hot wind beating in my face made me think, without any connection, that I can trace of a summer day in Kentucky's, of a meadow that seemed as big as the ocean to the very little girl walking through the grass, which was higher than her waist. She threw out her arm as if swimming when she walked, beating the tall grass as one strikes out on the water. Oh, I see the connection now. Where were you going that day in Kentucky, walking through the grass? I don't remember now. I was just walking diagonally across a big field. My sunbonnet obstructed the view. I could see only the stretch of green before me. And I felt as if I must walk on forever without coming to the end of it. I don't remember whether I was frightened or pleased. I must have been entertained. 